soon as you can. But for the rest of us, we're going to get going. Um, so in honor of Thanksgiving, we're doing a message on thankfulness. Right? Thankfulness. We become full of thanks. Everybody say this with me. Gratitude. gratitude. Come on, we can do better than that. Everybody's like, gratitude. 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 Yeah, gratitude. Gratitude. Say it with me. Gratitude. gratitude. Is an attitude. Gratitude. Do you believe that? You have to want to be thankful. You have to determine in your heart to be thankful. We live in a very entitled world. I don't know if you know that or not, right? Have you ever seen anybody? We, in other words, what does entitlement mean? We expect everything to go our way. We expect everything to be just perfect. And sometimes in our senses of entitlement, we are oftentimes ungrateful for the things that we actually have. We get very upset of what, by what we don't have. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? No, nobody knows what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about? We get upset. Anybody ever get upset about what you don't have? And sometimes when we get upset over what we don't have, we lose sight of what we actually do have. What Thanksgiving does for us is it opens up our hearts. It makes us appreciate what is actually around us. And sometimes they say the grass is greener on the other side. Anybody ever heard that one? Eh. Grass is greener on the other side until you have to mow it. Then we have a problem, right? But we need to be grateful for what it is that we actually have. And when we start looking at what it is that we actually have, we can finally see that we're actually blessed. There's a lot of good things that are happening in your life if you just take the time to look at them. And the Lord is good. He's good. They say we count our miseries on a calculator and we count our blessings on our fingers. We need to switch that. We need to flip that around. A lot of times here's another problem we have. So we're not just entitled... We're often jealous of other people. Well, he got a new car. Why don't I have a new car? You know, or whatever. He got the promotion, or they're living a life that I wanted to live. Why can't I have what they have? There's a story in the Bible by Cain in the uh, book of Genesis, and we have Cain and Abel. And Cain became very jealous of his brother to the degree that he actually murdered his brother. And what had happened was, is that Cain, Abel believed that God would bless him. Abel believed that God would not only bless him, but that God would abundantly bless him and take his life to another level. He believed that so much that he did what the Lord asked him. He gave of himself towards the Lord. Well, Cain didn't actually believe it because Cain didn't really give of himself. He only gave a part of himself and he gave what he, what he felt like he should give. And Abel gave the Lord everything that he had. He gave him his first and he gave him his best. And Cain became jealous of Abel and he murdered him. He murdered him. But before he murdered him, the Lord had a conversation with Cain. And he said, Cain, why are you downcast? Why is your soul down? Why are you depressed, Cain? Why are you jealous of your brother? If you will do what is right, you'll be accepted. But if you don't, it's going to consume you. So say this with me. The only difference, somebody you need to write this down. The only difference between me and the people and the places and the things that I am jealous about, the only difference is because I'm settling for less. That's right. It's the only difference. If you're a Christian, there's more. If you're a Christian, it's says how high as you want to go. I'm telling you, this is what your Bible tells you. Jesus, they asked Jesus, they said, can we sit at your right hand? Jesus said, well, that's not mine to give, but are you willing to drink of the cup? Jesus never denies position so long as we're willing to embrace the process. Can we say that together? Jesus never denies position or access if we are willing 
to endure the process. There's where we have the disconnect. Okay? We want the position, we want the promotion, we want the provision, but we're not really willing to endure or follow the process. The good news is, is it's yours, Christian. All things are yours if you will go through the process. We get that? Yeah. So, all right, so we're doing thankfulness. Thanksgiving is to be lived as a lifestyle. As Christians, we're to be a grateful people. We're to live with an attitude of gratitude. And you say, well, how and who and why do we, are we thankful? Because we're, we're going to talk about who we should be thankful for this morning and how we can actually do that. The first person who deserves our thanks and our gratitude is the Lord. If anybody's for you in this world, it's Jesus. And that deserves your thanks from the very time you get up in the morning. He is the only one who loves you unconditionally. He is for you when you are against yourself. So true. So many people beat themselves up and believe lies that God don't, doesn't love them. They beat themselves up and believe that they're not worthy of your love. I tell people all the time, you didn't make him love you. You can't make him unlove you. If you got, he set his affections on you. He said in his heart, I'm going to love you. Not because of who you are, not because of what you've done. He just decided he's going to love you. And so if he loves me, and I didn't do anything to make him love me, and there's nothing about me that makes him love me other than the fact that he wants to love me, then there's nothing that I can do that makes him unlove me. Do you understand that? The Bible says he sets his affections on you. He determines to love you. He loves you in spite of you. Love is to work for the highest good. So God is working for your highest good. Here's some, I'm going to give you a lot of verses from Psalms this morning. We're going to need a lot of Bible, but it's all good. The sacrifice, and that's awesome. The sacrifice that honors me is a thankful heart. We want to honor the Lord, and God wants to, you want to honor Him, and you want to do something that blesses the Lord. Have a grateful heart. Have a grateful heart. Sometimes we can't be given more because we don't actually understand what it is that we actually have. We don't understand what's actually in our hands. God told Moses, what's in your hand? What do you got in your hand, Moses? What are you carrying? You got something in your hand. Jesus told his disciples, what do you got? You need something? There's something that's already in your hand. Are you, can you be grateful for what you have? And if you present it to me, I'm going to multiply it. If you present it to me, I'm going to use it as a tool or an instrument to make a way for you. Thanksgiving increases meaning and significance. Your life becomes more meaningful when you're grateful. You should try it, right? You should try to be grateful and thankful. And all of a sudden, everything around you becomes significant. We start looking at your wife and saying, I'm grateful for her. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to have her. You know, and not wonder what you didn't have or what you couldn't have or what you might have, but be grateful for what you have. Your job is another area. You know, Listen, we all want to grow. We all want to do better. But how about being grateful for what it is that we have? You're actually working. You're actually in a country that has an economy in which you can have a job. Thank Jesus. Right? Being grateful does not mean you're content means I'm grateful for where I am. Contentment means I'm grateful, but it does not mean that I don't want more. You understand that? It's just being content, saying I'm content and I'm grateful for what I have, but I want to go there. That's a big difference. There's a big difference in that. So why and how? Why should we be thankful to God? What should we do and why should we bless the Lord? We should be grateful to him because of who he is. Psalm 145.3 says, The Lord is great. Say it with me. The Lord is great. He is worthy to be praised. And no one can understand how great He is. He is wonderful. He is great. We should bless the Lord because He's great. We give thanks to the Lord and we remember how holy He is. Why should we be thankful to God? Because He's holy. 
What holiness means is perfect. The word literally means clean. Clean. Absence of wrong. Right? So we have the Holy Spirit, the perfect spirit, the perfect one. We have the fallen angels, the demons. They're called unclean spirits. They're not holy. Right? You understand that? So holiness means clean, perfect, absence of wrong, absence of anything. We bless the Lord because He is perfect. He is good. In a world of imperfection, He is perfect. And He loves you. Next slide. We give thanks to the Lord because He is unfailing love. Psalm 107. Man, He loves you, man. He loves you. The world doesn't love you like that. You make mistakes, everybody wants to point them out. Are you with me? Right? The people don't love you, man. It's like people, man's love is temporal, temporary. You know, I love you, I hate you, I love you, I hate you, I love you, I hate you. That's kind of our lives, right? The Lord loves you unconditionally. His love does not fail. He is always, always, always working for your good. Sometimes, you know what his good looks like? His good looks like letting you have the consequences of your choices. That's his goodness. Because it's only in letting you have the consequences of your choices that you actually understand that your way doesn't always work or that you don't know everything, right? So even in the consequences of your choices, that's his goodness. He leaves you to yourself and he just stands there and says, when you need me, just let me know. I'll be right here. Right? You need me yet, Kevin? Nope, still got it. I've had this in my life many times. Right? I'm beaten. You need me yet? Nope, I got this, Jesus. Don't, not yet, not yet. Until I recognize, I that's what I, John 15 is like, the, I live by this verse. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, this isn't like a poem to me. This is a reality to me. I know I need him. I used to bother me. I used to talk to a pastor when I was a young Christian. And I used to say, man, I just feel really bad because I'm so dependent upon the Lord. You know, what we teach our children is, you need to be independent. And that's a good thing. But with the Lord, you are codependent. You need him every minute of every hour of every day. And we judge ourselves and think ourselves weak because we're so needy when it comes to him. That's the mistake. You are needy, so get over it. He, but he's the need meter, right? You can be codependent upon Jesus. He wants to bless you. He wants to help you. And if you're acting like a baby, he's going to tell you, okay, you're acting like a baby. Stop acting like a baby. I'm going to help you. This is how he is. This is who he is. And you can't judge yourself because you need Jesus. You do. You do. Your heart tells you you need him. You can't stop your heart. You're relying upon him to keep your heart beating. You're relying upon him for the breath that you breathe. We need him every minute of every hour of every day. When we understand that, we begin to call on him. We begin to invite him into our circumstances. And when you invite Jesus into your circumstances, everything changes. Codependency and interdependency has to be understood. We are created to be codependent. This is why it is so easy for people to become addicted. Did you know that? Well, I have an addictive personality. You're created with an addictive personality. You're created to be addicted to Jesus, and you're created to be addicted to his presence. That's what man is created to be. You're not created to be addicted to drugs. You're not created to be addicted to substances. You're not created to be addicted to all of the things that we addict ourselves to. But you are created to be addicted. That's why addiction is such a mystery. We don't understand why we're addicted, because we're made to be addicted. So addict yourself to Jesus. David understood it. He says that the deer pants for the water. That sounds like a Jones to me. I don't know about you. He's hungry. He wants that. He's like, I have got to get there. There's a verse that says, I came running when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. 
David's like, we're going to the house of the Lord? Me first. He was hungry, addicted to the presence of God. You have to lighten yourself up. You have to lighten the load off of yourself and stop putting pressure on yourself and saying, oh, here I am again, Lord. I guess, you know, I'm weak. I just can't keep it together. You can't. Oh, happy day. Huh? I mean, I'm, I don't, I'm like, I know I can't keep it together. That's why I need the Lord. That's why I need the Holy Spirit. I draw from his power all the time. You know, and that's how it works. He loves you. We thank him because he's just. He's unbiased. He's no respecter of persons. No big eyes, no little U's. The Bible tells us that what he does for one, he will do for another. Hmm? What he does for one, he will do for another. That's it. He's unbiased. He's just. He's good. Tell the Lord how thankful you are, Psalm 118. Tell him. We have to open our mouths. We have to say something. We have to actually say, Lord, I'm thankful. Why are we thankful? Because he's kind. He's kind. And he's merciful. He's kind, man. He's kind. I'll tell you a quick story. I'm going to run out of time because I'm telling all these stories here this morning. <laughs> man, I was, I was raised in a, in a church, and they taught me how to stand up, tie my shoes, stand up straight, all this other stuff. They're very disciplined, very organized when I first came to Christ. Helped me out because I needed that. I needed somebody to give me a few high karates and say, stand up straight, you know, honor the Lord, respect him, all these things. I needed that. But what ended up happening at the end of that was that, Something happened inside of me as I, I understood it to be performance driven. I understand Christianity to be performance driven. If I wasn't checking off the list, then not, God's favor wasn't on my life. Now, that was just me. That wasn't what they were telling me. That was what I understood it as being, is that if I wasn't doing these things, I end up in um, things change, whatever. I'm in Germany, so I'm over there staying with my wife in Germany. We were, she was working over there at the time, and so I'm there for a few months, and I'm doing all of the things that, I mean, I wasn't like sinning outright or anything like that, but I was, doing, I was not doing religious things at the time. It wasn't that I didn't love Jesus. I was going to Bible studies. There was stuff that was going on. But there were religious things that I wasn't doing, you know? And the Lord was blessing me, blessing me. And I could not believe it, that he was blessing me. In spite, I was like, I was not doing, I wasn't checking off my list, Right? And I was walking through the, they call it the English Garden. If you've ever been to Germany, they call it the English Garden, better known as the Beer Garden. Okay, so we were going through the English Garden, beautiful garden. So we're going through this forest, going home to the apartment that uh, we were staying at. And I was by myself and I was walking through the woods and I was just telling the Lord, I was like, man, I cannot believe that you're blessing me. I cannot believe. And he says, I am not that kind of father. That's what he told me. Just boom. And so I had to realize if he's not that kind of father, then what kind of father is he? Because he, say this with me, he is better than I think. He is more beautiful than I think. He is more wonderful than I think. Therefore, I must change the way that I think. You understand that? He's better than I was thinking. My thinking of him and my understanding of him was completely wrong. And because of my thinking and the way that I was seeing him was wrong, my relationship with him was affected. And I was not experiencing him in the way that he intended me to experience him. You understand that? We thank him because he's kind. He was kind to me. Kind. And he's merciful. Merciful. He's not mercy half empty. He's not mercy less. He's merciful. He's full of mercy. You need mercy? Here it is. He's full of it. 
You say, I messed up yesterday. Say it with me. His mercy is new every morning. That's the truth. You messed up yesterday? Well, yesterday ended last night. His mercy is new today. Every day. This is why, everybody say, this is why I thank the Lord. This is why we thank him. We thank him because he's what he, what he has done. I will thank the Lord for what forever for what he has done. Psalm 52. Let all things praise the name of the Lord because we were created at his command. What do we thank him for? Man, he made you. He made you. I'm going to get you guys in a good mood here this morning. Say this with me. I am created on purpose with a purpose. We should thank him for that. We are created on purpose with a purpose. I will praise you and rejoice because you've saved me. If you know what it means to be born again and you know what it means to be saved and you know what it means to be forgiven and to be clean on the inside, we should thank him. We should thank him. And if you've forgotten what that feels like, Christian, you need to do what David did. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. You need to ask him. I seem to have forgotten, Lord, what it means to be saved. I seem to have forgotten, Lord, what it means to be clean on the inside. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Make all things new again, and he'll do it. He'll do it. I will praise the Lord because he answers my prayers. Hello. Hello. He answers your prayers, people. He answers your prayers. I don't have time to explain all that, but he does say, well, why is there a delay? And why, you know, there's a bunch of questions off of prayer. I get it. But he will answer you. He will answer you. I praise the Lord because he guides me. If you lack wisdom, ask the Lord. You know why you lack wisdom? Anybody know why you lack wisdom? Because you're not asking Jesus. That's why you lack wisdom. James is in the book of James. He's pretty bold. He said, you don't have it because you're not asking for it. Let's just be clear. Or you're asking for it off outside of the purposes of God. God wants to give you wisdom. But he doesn't want to give you wisdom in how to rip somebody off. He doesn't want to give you wisdom in how to go and do something that's outside of his will. I've been asking him for wisdom. Yeah, but you're asking for wisdom outside of his will. Ask him for wisdom inside of his will, and the generous God will supply it abundantly. Come on. Yeah. We encourage participation here, so you can say amen, say awesome. Yeah, that's right. Shout, clap. Yeah, all that stuff. Love it. Let it happen. We were spiritually dead because of our sins and our sinful nature. But God, everybody say, but God gave me a new life. In Christ, he has forgiven all of my sins. And he has canceled the record that contained the charges against me. He has taken it, taken it. Come on, he has taken it. And he has destroyed it by nailing it to Jesus' cross. Come on, come on. Can I get an amen on that one? Can I get a thank you, Jesus? <laughs> Next slide. Come on, he's worthy. He's worthy. We thank him because of his promises. Let us unswervingly hold fast to what we profess because he who was promised is faithful. Do you know that? He is faithful. He is faithful. He is not faithless. He is not faith empty. He is faithful. He will do what he said he will do. Huh? Even if your heart condemns you, he's greater than your heart. Even if you fail, Jesus is better than you. He will do what he said he will do. The one who was promised is faithful. Don't be weary in your well-doing. You will reap if you faint not. 
The one who's promised you is faithful. 7,000 promises in the Bible. I can assure you there's more than one for your circumstance. There's more than one for your life. There's more than one. He's got plenty of them. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, 2 Peter 1.4. He's given to us exceedingly great and promised, precious promises because it is by the promises that we draw from his nature and we escape the corruption in the world that is through selfish desire. When we stop seeking our own and we start seeking the promises that he has over our life, something shifts. When we stop seeking our own and we start seeking the things that he has for us in our life, we draw from his divine nature. The power and the glory of God becomes operative in your life through the promises. Powerful. Here's three promises. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Even though you die, you're going to live again. That's a promise. You have eternal life. You ever thought about that? Amen. You're not going to die. Amen. You're going to live forever Amen. in Christ. If your heart belongs to him, you're going to learn forever. You'll live forever. You're going to finally, because you're going to have enough time in eternity, you're going to finally learn how to play the piano. Aren't you glad? Because you're going to live forever. You can speak any language you want because you're going to live forever. I'm telling you. We thank him. We're gonna, you will not die. You will live. God will give you everything you need. Here's one. From day to day, if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern, seek first the kingdom of God and what is right to him and all things will be added unto you. Amen. That's a promise. I need all things. Seek what is right to him. Seek his king's dominion. Seek the rule and reign of... That's what dominion means. King's dominion. Kingdom means. Seek the rule and reign of God in every area of your life and everything's going to come to you. So what does that tell me? If everything's not coming to me, it's probably because I'm not allowing the rule and reign of God to exist in these areas of my life. Ah. Does the rule and reign of God exist in your mind? Does the rule and reign of God exist in your job and how you approach it? Does the rule and reign of God, is, is the dominion and the rulership of God in your money? Is it rulership and reign of God in your family? Is it, where, is it, where is it not? The Bible says everything you need is going to be added unto you if you make these things the priority. That's a promise. That's a promise. I will never leave you and I will never abandon you. You feel like God's left you? No, because you are not allowing yourself to be aware of his presence. Let us become more aware of his presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Next slide. I got to move. How can we show thanks? Ready? Sing. Yeah, sing. Make a joyful noise. Some of you can't sing, right? You say, I mean, I don't want to sing. I can't sing. <laughs> What's your favorite song that I sing? I love the song that you sing, On a Hill Far Away. That's the song that I like you to do when you sing. <laughs> it says, make a joyful noise. He knows we all can't sing. He's all right with it. Make a joyful noise. That's why we pray the music nice and loud, just so we can all blend. That's it. Sing to the Lord and give thanks to him. Sing praises to our God. That's not an option. That's not, an, that's not even a suggestion. He's not suggesting to you that you sing. He's telling you, sing. Sing. I don't feel like it. He didn't ask you if you felt like it. All right? He didn't give you a chance to vote on it. This isn't a democracy. He's saying, sing to me. Sing in a shower, sing in the car, find some place, sing. Sing. Sing thanks to him. Sing praises to your God. Give him thanks. Pray to him. Pray to him as an expression of thanksgiving. We pray to him. We call upon him. When you ask God, you believe that he's generous. You believe that he's kind and you believe that he's willing. That's what it means to pray. You have faith to believe that who is he, who he is. We thank the Lord and we praise his name. Here's another one. Tell the world about his wonderful love. 
Do you know your story? Has Jesus done anything for you? Hello? Has he done anything for you? Has he? Maybe you need to give him an opportunity to let him do something else, and then you need to tell somebody. You don't have to look far. There's somebody worse off than you. You don't have to look far, right? What we do is we look at all the people that are better off than us. Well, you don't have to look far to look at people that are not in the same position even you are. Tell the world. Help people who are in positions that you have been. Tell them, listen, man, I found Jesus. I don't have all the answers, but man, bro, invite them to church, whatever. Call, get, just get them to call upon the Lord. Bring them here. Whatever it is. The cure is forgiveness, purpose, destiny, and eternal life. If I had a cure for your disease and I didn't offer it to you, that wouldn't be very fair, would it? You'd probably want to beat me up if I just left you walking around for the rest of your life struggling with the disease that I knew where you could find the cure. And I just didn't want to embarrass myself by telling you. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to intrude upon your life by telling you where the cure is. That's how we think. We have the cure, Christian. Jesus is the answer. We have the cure to the broken heart. We have the cure to guilt, shame, and unforgiveness. We have the cure. Amen. We have the cure. Why are you keeping it to yourself? You ever ask yourself that question? No, seriously. You have to ask yourself that question. Why am I keeping this to myself? Why? Show me somebody, Jesus. I, I dare you. He's going to show you 50 people. He's going to show you endless amounts of people. If you'll ask him to show you. Why am I keeping this to myself? You have the reason, you have the, we have the answer. We carry the answer. Here's my question. Christmas season, more people are willing to come to church at Christmas than at any other time. Are you planning to bring anybody? Well, I hadn't thought of it. Okay, so let me ask you this question. If not, why not? Well, I don't know anyone. Well, the Bible has an answer for that too. It says go to the highways and the byways. Go to the alleys if you have to. Stand out on the street corner if you have to. It doesn't even give us an excuse. It calls us to reach the people around us first. That's the, what the Bible would call in the Greek as the oikos, center of influence. It calls you to reach out to the center of influence first. And if you don't have a center of influence, or if your center of influence isn't interested, it tells you to go to the highways and the byways. Go to the hedges. Crawl in the bushes. That's literally what it's telling you. But find someone. And he's not telling, listen, you ready? He's not telling the pastor. He didn't say pastors. He told all y'all, right? Myself included, but all y'all. None of us are exempt from inviting people to, to Jesus. None of us are exempt. At the very least, we invite them towards the church. At the very least. At the very least. And I got news for you. People are open to come into a Christmas Eve service. Christmas and Easter and Mother's Day are golden opportunities. Mother's Day is the guilt day. Well, if you loved me, if you loved your mother, you would come to church. I always tell the ladies, work it, work it. Work it. <laughs> we give an offering. That's what shows our thanks. Give an offering to show your thanks to God. Give Him what you promised. What's important about the offering is because the offering is something, is, is, is a bridge and an avenue by which He can bless you back. If you want to be really honest, in the Old Testament, no single person was exempt from giving an offering. Not even the poor. Read your Bible. Every person that presented themselves before the Lord were required to bring an offering. They had to bring a dove. They had to bring something. No one was allowed to come empty-handed. Because he needs it? Nope. Because you need it. Because without the offering, God has no means by which to bless you back. That's what it looks like. He don't need it. He doesn't need it. But he needs you to present yourself so that the avenue of blessing is open in your life. Without giving, the avenue of blessing isn't open in your life. Just saying. 
And I, I had a hard time. I'll tell you a real story. Like pastors have a hard time talking about money. Some guys don't. Right? They talk about money 24-7. We have, a, we have a, an eternal offering service. One, to one, one guy was telling me, man, I went to this church. They said they t- the guy did the teaching for 10 minutes, but it was a 40-minute offering. Yeah, that guy doesn't have a problem talking about money. Right? Me, I, I wanted more about his presence and all these other things. But the Lord told me, listen, it's, this, is, this, is, this is how it is, Kevin. This is how it is. If you're going to be faithful to me, you're going to teach my people to be faithful to me. And you're going to teach them the principles that change their lives. And so we teach you the principles that change your life. And then when you really get down on it and the Lord shows me, not even the poor. The poor had to come with something. They had to go scrape two pennies together. That's what they could buy a dove with. Two pence. So they had to, even if they had to go buy a dove, they had to come with something in their hand. Look at the widow. She had mites. Jesus didn't exempt her. He didn't even tell her, listen, she's given everything she has. Jesus didn't run and go, I know this is all you got here. Take it back. He didn't do that. Did he? Did he? Correct me if I'm wrong. He used what he would give to build the bridge back to himself, back to you. And with the measure that you give is the measure that returns. Either this is promises or it's poems, but you've got to make up your mind. You've got to make up your mind. Is that a poem, Christian, or is that a promise? Which way are you going with it? I believe they're promises. Come on. Yeah. Celebrate the harvest festival. Honor the Lord your God. Bring him a free will offered in proportion to the blessing that he has given to you. It's a proportional blessing. Harvest festival, Thanksgiving. This wasn't man's idea. This was God's idea. We took this idea from the, from the Bible. Abraham Lincoln took the idea of, of creating a national day of Thanksgiving out of Deuteronomy because he actually, we had a president that actually believed the Bible. Not that I'm for or against anybody, but I mean, we actually had a president that wasn't afraid to go, hey, the Bible says we should have a harvest festival of Thanksgiving. Well, I think we should have one as a nation. That's where we got it from. You know, it came out of the Civil War. It was right after Gettysburg. This is how we ended up with Thanksgiving. There had been a huge slaughter. A lot of Americans were killed in this battle, in this war, and they were just being killed. And the idea was, in spite of man's inhumanity, we will be thankful to God for his mercy and his goodness. In spite of the wickedness that we are seeing and the violence of people, we will give thanks to the Lord. That's the idea. Pretty good idea, right? Uh, next slide. This is, I got one, we're under communion, so this is one more. Let us please God by serving. How do we express thanksgiving? We serve him. And you say, how do we serve God? Everybody say this. I serve the Lord by serving others. Jesus said, what you've done unto the least of these, my brothers, you've done it to me. Is there any area of your life where there's sacrifice, where you're serving other people? Any area? Is there any part of your life where you can point to where you're unnoticed because you're just simply serving people on behalf of the Lord or for just the common good? Does that, that exist? We please God. We honor God. We live a life of thanksgiving by serving other people. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord, Jesus, giving thanks. How do we live a life of thanksgiving? We just be grateful for everything. And you say, even in the bad? Yeah, you know why you're thankful in the bad? You ready? Say it with me. Because the Lord works all things out to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So you can thank God. None of this is going to hurt you. None of this is going to destroy you. It's going to change you. And God's going to take these circumstances and move them out for good. That's the difference between the Christian and the non-believer. We walk through the storm. We walk on the water. We are not consumed by it. The Bible says the wicked fall and there are none to help. 
Those who are outside of God's covenant, outside of God's kingdom, they fall. Nobody helps. Some of you remember what it was like before you went to walk with Jesus. You fell and there was no one to help. Now you fall and he picks you up. You fall and he picks you up. Some of you, the circumstances would hit you and it would consume you. Now the circumstances hit you and it kind of changes you. Gives you a little haircut. You know, maybe, you know, does some things for you. But changes you. We give God thanks because he will work it out for your good. In all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Same idea. Let your lives overflow with thanksgiving for everything that he's done. Be thankful in everything. Be thankful. And if you don't know what to be thankful for, find something. Tell the Lord, I need to find something here to be thankful for. Is there anything in here to be thankful for? You can thank God in the midst of it all. Man, if we didn't have Jesus, I mean, sometimes it's just important to remember that we have the Lord. Sometimes it's important to remember, Christian, that people without him, the bread is for the children. It's very important that you remember that. Other people don't have the same access to the level of help that you have. They do not. Jesus said the Holy Spirit, the world can't receive him. Do you understand that? Holy Spirit is not helping the world. The only thing the Holy Spirit is doing with people that don't know Christ is pointing them to him. But to the believer, you have him. And the Bible says he's an ever-present help in time of need. You need to remember that. You need to be grateful for that. Because what you have is not common. Next slide. So we're going to take communion. So here's how we do it. Jody, you want to play? Yeah, she's going to play. You don't have to convince Jody too much to play. Just stick a piano in the room and she'll start playing. It's just how it is. I don't know. I'm picking on her. Anyway. So what we're going to do is we're going to make our way up and around the outside. We're going to do communion. And communion is actually an act of thanksgiving. So what I'd like you to do, if you make your way out and take the, the, the cracker and the juice, just bring it back to the chair with you. And so what it is, is when you're taking the body, you're taking the body in a representation of Christ's body, you're taking a representation of his blood. And really what, thank, what communion is in a public forum is a pub, is one of the things that it is, is it's a public declaration that Christ died for you. It's a public declaration that his blood was shed for you on your behalf. And we're declaring this publicly. Put that back up there. Thank you. Sherry's taking my slide away. Don't take the words away. It's like a teleprompter. The words are gone. What do I do now? First Corinthians 10, 16. It says, is this not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks? See the thanksgiving connection? For the blood of Christ, it is not the bread that we break, a participation in his body. So we're just going to pray. We're going to bless the elements in it as Jody plays. After I'm done praying, just make your way around, grab it, bring it back to your seat, and we'll take it together. So let's just, I'm going to pray over it right now. Father, we just thank you so much for this time. We thank you for these elements that you've given to us to represent who we are in you and what you've done for us. We're grateful for that. We honor you this day, Lord. We honor you this week. We honor you this season. We're grateful for who you are. We thank you and we bless you. And we bless this time together as believers and brothers and sisters, sons and daughters in your name. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So just make your way up around and grab it. Just go for it.